Assalamu alaikum warahmatullahi wabarakatuh. This is Abdul Nasser Jengda, and you're listening to the Qalam Podcast. The Qalam Podcast has become an important part of people's lives all around the world. There are millions of people benefiting from the podcast every single day. Thousands of hours of content, dozens of different series from all the different teachers and scholars here at Qalam. All of this is delivered to the community free of charge. We are excited and actively working to grow and increase our efforts to deliver more and more benefit to the community. We ask you to support our efforts and become part of the Qalam family. Please go to qalamfamily.com and sign up to contribute to this Sadaqa Jariyah on a monthly basis. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala accept from all of us Jazakumullahu khairan wassalamu alaykum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuhu. Alhamdulillah, alhamdulillahi alihi dhati azim al-sifati sami al-simati kabir al-sha'n jalil al-qadir al-rafi'i al-dhikri muta'il al-mjjalil burhan faqim al-ismi ghazil al-ilmi wasil al-hilmi kathir al-ghufran jamil al-thanai jazil al-ata'i mjib al-dua ya'mim al-ihsan سريع الحساب شديد العقاب عليم العذاب عزيز السلطان ونشهد أن لا إله إلا الله وحده لا شريك له في الخلق والأمر ونشهد أن محمدا عبده ورسوله المبعوث إلى الأسود والأحمر المنعوت بشرح الصدي ورفع الذكر وصلى الله عليه وعلى آله وأصحابه الذين هم خلاصة العرب العرباء وخير الخلائق بعد الأنبياء أما بعد فيا أيها الناس واحد الله فإن توحيد رأس الطاعات واتقوا الله فإن تقوام لك الحسنات وعليكم بالسنة فإن السنة تهدي إلى الطاعة ومن طاع الله ورسوله فقد رشد واهتدى وإياكم البدعة فإن البدعة تهدي إلى المعصية ومن عصلها ورسوله فقد ضل وغوى وعليكم بالإحسان فإن الله يحب المحسنين وادعوه فإنه مجيب الداعين واستغفروه يمددكم بأموال وبنين أعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم فاستقم كما أمرت <coughs> It's narrated from the Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم that the Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم said that أثقل آية the heaviest and weightiest verse that was revealed upon the Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم in terms of its implications and what it demanded from him, was the verse in which Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala commands the Prophet فَاسْتَقِمْ كَمَا أُمِرْتَ Be steadfast upon that which you have been commanded to do. Be steadfast upon that which you have been commanded to do. Steadfastness, istiqama. It means to remain firm upon something. It means to keep on doing what you've been told to do. It comes from the root of the word qiyam, which means to stand. So it's the idea of you came and you stood here, now continue standing. And the Arabic language is a very vivid language. And so it's invoking the idea that if you were told to stand somewhere, and after a little while, you lost some focus or concentration, you got distracted, you got bored. And then you start to kind of waver. 
This is saying, no, 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 keep standing. You were told to stand here. You were posted here. Keep standing. Don't get so easily distracted. And then a little while later, maybe a little bit more justifiably, you start to fatigue. You start to feel tired. And your back hurts. Or your foot hurts. But this verse is saying, istiqama, the concept of istiqama is saying, but you've been given a responsibility. And I understand, and it's understandable, that you've been standing there for a while, so now your back hurts and your foot is sore. But you still have a job to do. You haven't been relieved of your post and your, your responsibility. So keep standing. And sometime later, there might even be another need. You might be needed elsewhere. Somebody wants your help with something else. Somebody is asking you to do something else. And those things are maybe also in the periphery of your responsibility. Maybe you do have some sense of commitment there. So then that becomes the ideal excuse. But again, the verse is saying, no, no, no. You've been posted somewhere. You've been told to do something. You have not been relieved of your post yet. Continue to stand. And that's the concept of istiqamah. And that's what makes it so challenging. <clears throat> that's why there's such a profound reward mentioned for it in the Quran. Where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he talks about, and I'll mention the reward first, تَتَنَزَّلُ عَلَيْهِمُ الْمَلَائِكَةُ That waves upon waves of angels, thousands and thousands of angels, descending from the heavens, coming down for the sake of this person, and welcoming this person into the afterlife. And they are congratulating and they are consoling that person, comforting that person's soul. أَلَّا تَخَافُوا do not fear what lies ahead. And don't grieve what you leave behind. And congratulations. For the paradise that you were promised all along. We were your friends and allies. We looked after you. We were with you throughout the life of this world. And we will continue to be with you in the hereafter. And reserve for you in paradise is whatever your heart could desire. And everything you could have ever asked for. And all of this is a gift from the most forgiving and the most merciful. Such a profound reward. But who is that reward promised for? The people who said that Allah is our Lord, Allah is our Rabb, Allah is our Master, our Creator, our Sustainer, our Provider. <clears throat> but then they were steadfast. They lived by that, they stuck to that, they stood at their post. And they did not waver, they did not falter. When a Sahabi of the Prophet وسلم, a companion, may Allah be pleased with him, comes to the Prophet وسلم, O Messenger of Allah, tell me some very succinct, give me some very brief, concise, succinct advice that I may memorize and internalize 
and commit myself to. And this very brief but powerful piece of advice will take me to paradise. And the Prophet ﷺ told him beautifully, قُلْ Say, آمَنْتُ بِاللَّهِ I have believed in Allah, ثُمَّ استقم. And then learn to be steadfast. And the example of steadfastness that I wanted to present here, and what that steadfastness, that remaining firm, remaining constant, in terms of one's responsibility, to illustrate it so that it becomes a little bit more relatable and also to illustrate how it will be very challenging at times and there will be a strong pull in different directions. I wanted to reflect on the Treaty of Hudaybiyah in that particular moment. So the Treaty of Hudaybiyah occurs in the sixth year of Hijrah. This is 19 years, not 19 days, 19 years after the mission of the Prophet ﷺ began. Let's take a quick survey of what's occurred in 19 years. There were 13 years of brutality, oppression, persecution. People were murdered in the streets of Mecca. People were tortured in broad daylight. People were kicked out of their homes and, and exiled. People were, they were stripped of their possessions and their belongings. They were disowned by their families and their tribes. And ultimately it, it culminates in an assassination attempt against the Prophet himself. And they endured this for 13 years. To the point where they, the Muslims, relocated and went to Al-Madinah Al-Munawwara. And over the last six years, what has happened? Numerous, multiple attacks against Medina. The enemy has come all the way to the gates. The Battle of the Trench. They've starved, they have starved them. And sieged them. And killed them. Massacres occurred during this time. Bir Ma'una and so many others. And finally after these 19 years, and if we just take a moment to really sit and think and reflect on it, go back to the, what we were talking about before, you've been given a responsibility, you've been posted for your, for your responsibility, you've been given a job, stand here, have they not fulfilled the obligation? 19 years. They stood firm. They stood tall. 19 years. And sacrificed so much. Life and loved ones and home and family and everything in between. And the Prophet ﷺ tells the Sahaba عنهم, his companions, that I need to see the Kaaba. I long to visit the house of Allah. We're going for Umrah. Even though at that time, Mecca is in the, the, the Mecca and Al-Masjid Al-Haram and the Kaaba is in the hands of the enemy. But the Prophet ﷺ says that Allah has shown me a dream 
that I am at the Kaaba and I am worshipping Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, I'm making tawaf, I need to go. And so they pack up and they head out. In the state of Ihram from Dhul Hulayfa, going, reciting the talbiyah, labbaik, Allahumma labbaik, going to perform Umrah. Obviously we know that they are stopped, they are blocked from entering into Mecca at the place of Hudaybiyah. And negotiations go on for days. It ultimately culminates within what we know as the Treaty of Hudaybiyah. But this is the moment of the test. The Prophet ﷺ says, if they offer me peace, I will take it. In salahuni, usalihum. If they offer me peace, I will take the peace. And when they sit down to negotiate terms, all the terms are lopsided. They are insisting on terms that completely favor them. And actually are to the detriment of the Muslim community. And the Prophet ﷺ keeps waving them off one after another, waving them through and he keeps on going forward. And the Sahaba are confused, they're conflicted. Go back to the analogy. We've been standing here for 19 years. My back hurts, my foot hurts. How much longer do I need to keep standing here? I've done everything I've been told. I've sacrificed everything I had and then more. How much longer? And the Prophet ﷺ, he says, I am the Prophet of God and Allah will not waste me. Allah will not abandon me. Allah will not forsake me. And the treaty goes through. The Prophet ﷺ tells the Sahaba ﷺ, they're in the state of Ihram. The only way to come out of the state of Ihram is to actually offer to fulfill the ritual. The Umrah. So they're in the state of Ihram. What do we do, Ya Rasulullah? And the Prophet ﷺ explains, The Quran speaks about this, that you are not able to go forward. So what you do now is, you basically sacrifice the animals that you had brought as a sacrifice and offering to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. You shave your head as you would have if you were completing your Umrah. And you come out of the state of Ihram and we're going home. And then the treaty had included that you can come back a year later arbitrarily. What does a year do? Was it accomplished? We're already all the way here. Nope. But they insisted you can only come back a year later for three days and then perform Umrah at that time. And the Prophet ﷺ said that we will make up for this Umrah at that time. Umratul Qada or Umratul Qadiya. The makeup Umrah. And when the Prophet ﷺ tells the companions, sacrifice your animals, shave your heads, we're done. The Sahaba are just in such a daze. It's such a challenging moment. Again, go back to the analogy. But I've been standing here this whole time. And you're telling me I've got to stand for a little longer? When is enough? And they just, they didn't disobey, but they were just working through. They were processing everything. And that caused a little bit of delay. And the Prophet ﷺ had never seen a delay on their behalf, and so he was also puzzled by this. And then very famously, the Prophet ﷺ goes to his tent. Our mother, the mother of the believers, Umm Salama radiallahu ta'ala anha, 
was in the tent of the Prophet and he looked very, the Prophet seemed like he was very conflicted by something. And when she asked him, the Prophet said, I've never seen them even delay or hesitate even for the slightest bit. I don't know what to make of this. And she said, Ya Rasulullah, this is a lot for them to process. But that spiritual muscle memory remains in place. If you start to wrap things up, they'll naturally jump forward and they'll come to assist you and they'll start all doing the same thing as well. And that's exactly what happened when the Prophet ﷺ went outside and he said, line up the animal, time for the sacrifice and cutting of the hair. And then all the Sahaba started doing it as well and they wrapped up everything. And they started to head back. I should mention that prior to this moment at the time of the negotiation of the treaty, Umar bin al-Khattab radiallahu ta'ala anhu, whose personality was a little bit more brash. He was one who was sometimes willing to say what maybe others were reluctant or hesitant to say. He was a little more outspoken and he had that relationship with the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa as well. And so he had even gone to the Prophet That are we not on the truth and they're upon falsehood? If we, if we throw out, if we ignore this opportunity for peace and we decide to fight them and everyone dies, we go to paradise and they go to hell. So then why do we concede anything to them? And that's when the Prophet ﷺ gave the response, I am the messenger of God and Allah will not forsake me. Allah will not abandon me. And as they started to depart, Umar who says in the narration of Bukhari that I immediately felt very embarrassed. I felt embarrassed of the way that I had behaved and acted. About the fact that I had spoken out. And so I was, the Prophet would travel at the back of the army to keep track of everyone and make sure no one got left behind. And he said, I was hanging back even further than the Prophet because I didn't want to be in his line of sight because I was so embarrassed of myself. <coughs> and he says, I saw the Prophet riding his animal and then he lowered his head for some time and that's usually the physical kind of um, signs of the Prophet receiving revelation. And I immediately felt very fearful, but then I thought to myself that I'm not important enough for Allah to reveal Quran about. And when the Prophet after some time, he lifted up his head, he called for me, he says, Aina Umar, where's Umar? And he said, I wanted my soul to leave my body in that moment. And he says, when I came to the Prophet ﷺ and I said, I'm here, Ya Rasulullah, still not making eye contact, too embarrassed. The Prophet ﷺ said, I wanted to tell you before I told anyone else. Allah has just revealed in the Quran, Inna We have granted you open victory. A clear, decisive victory. And... This particular moment, the scholars, they explained from this, the Mufassirun, the Muhaddithun, they explained from this particular moment 
that there was a test here for all of the companions of the Prophet They had done their job more so than any of us can ever claim having done our job. The Sahaba are the ultimate role model. We are supposed to follow their example. They did their job. They did their job with excellence. And this was the moment where the question came, how much more, how much longer? What more? And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala demanded from them one more act of obedience, of resilience, of steadfastness. That what got you to this point so far was Samiana wa ta'ana. What got you to this point so far was obeying Allah and obeying the Messenger of Allah. That's what got you here. This is a moment where the math maybe not may not be adding up to you. Where your mind, your brain is telling you, we've done everything. There's no reason for us to give in, quote unquote, anymore. But Allah and His Messenger are telling you to do something. So obey and follow. Listen. Remain steadfast. Keep doing what got you to this point. Because you never know around which bend, which corner victory awaits. The promise of Allah, when it comes, we don't know. We know that it is coming. It's not a question of if, it's a question of when. It's not a question of if, it's a question of when. But that knowledge of when the promise of Allah arrives, when the victory from Allah comes, that knowledge has been withheld from us. And that's the test of our sincerity. So they were told that once again, trust what got you here. And the moment that they were willing to put their faith and trust, once again, they continued to put their faith and trust in Allah and His Messenger And they lowered their heads and they said, And they stood firm and they continued doing their job. Then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala immediately revealed, Now the victory is yours. And from that point on forward, the ball started to roll in the other direction. And from there came victory after victory after victory. Khaybar, Fathu Makkah, one after another. And Islam spread all throughout the Arabian Peninsula and even beyond within the lifetime of the Prophet And so this is, generally speaking, as is the case with the Qur'an, with the life of the Prophet this is generally general guidance from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala about something we need to take into consideration in anything and everything. This can relate and pertain to just our personal, individual obligations in the religion, remaining steadfast with our prayer, with our salah, remaining steadfast with our morals and our ethics, Remaining steadfast in terms of our ethical responsibilities of honesty and integrity and decency and righteousness. But this is also a reminder that, and I, and I decided to speak on this here today and then connect it to obviously the current situation that is continuing 
with our brothers and sisters in Gaza, the massacre, the murder of our innocent brothers and sisters. Because I'm hearing the sentiment, and maybe many of us are also sensing it and feeling it as well, there, that there is that sense of fatigue that is setting in. There's a sense of exhaustion and fatigue, and at a human level, it's understandable. I'm talking about on our part. They have this beautiful resilience and patience and strength. But I'm talking about on our part. At a human level, it's understandable that there's only so much one person can witness and endure. But our religious responsibility, our ethical moral responsibility, our responsibility as the servants of Allah, and as followers of the Prophet ﷺ, and as brothers and sisters in Islam, that responsibility demands and it necessitates that this is that moment where I've been told to stand here and now my back starts to hurt a little and my foot is starting to get sore, but I still have a job to do. We cannot relent. We cannot be exhausted. We cannot be tired. We cannot be fatigued. We cannot give up. We can't lose hope. Think about how, and again, the Sahaba never would have even thought about this, but just for a moment, put, I'll put myself there in that situation, because I'm a weak person, as compared to the Sahaba. In that moment, think about it. I left my home. I had to give up my tribe and my people. I was tortured and beaten and chased out of my own home. And I've been living a life of poverty, destitution. I do not know where my next meal is going to come from. I barely have enough clothes to cover myself properly. I've been homeless for years. And at that time, after all that, the Prophet ﷺ is saying, just trust me. We're going to give in here. You're going to pack your bags and we're going back home. We are not going to fulfill what we came here to do. Think about how difficult that moment would have been. But what was required of them was, continue to do your job. Do not lose hope in the promise of Allah. You cannot say at this moment that when? Again? Is there even any promise? Is the hope of Allah even coming? Is that even real? That would have been a critical error. A critical error that the companions of the Prophet ﷺ did not make because they were who they were. That's why they're the, the exemplary generation. They did not lose hope. They continued to believe. They remained firm and steadfast. And that's when the promise of Allah ﷻ came. So in this particular moment that we find ourselves in, we might feel overwhelmed, we might feel fatigued. We might, God forbid, ask Allah, make dua to Allah to protect you from this. I need to ask Allah to protect me from hopelessness. Because that is the death of the heart. Do not lose hope in this moment. But we have to remain firm, we have to remain steadfast, and know that the promise of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is true. 
بارك الله لنا ولكم في القرآن العظيم ونفعني وإياكم بالآيات والذكر الحكيم استغفر الله لي ولكم ولسائر المسلمين فاستغفروه إنه هو الغفور الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين والعاقبة المتقين والصلاة والسلام على سيد المرسلين وعلى آله وصحبه ومن تبعهم بإحسان إلى يوم الدين قال الله عز وجل في كتابه المجيد بعد عذب الله من الشيطان الرجيم إن الله وملائكته يصلون على النبي يا أيها الذين آمنوا صلوا عليه وسلموا تسليما اللهم صل على محمد عبدك ورسولك وصل على المؤمنين والمؤمنات والمسلمين والمسلمات وبارك على سيدنا محمد وعلى أزواجه وذريته اللهم عز الإسلام والمسلمين اللهم انصر الإسلام والمسلمين اللهم انصر إخواننا في غزة وفي فلسطين اللهم اغفر لنا ولإخواننا الذين سبقونا بالإيمان ولا تجعل في قلوبنا غلا للذين آمنوا ربنا إنك الرؤوف الرحيم وصلى الله تعالى على النبي الكريم قال الله تعالى إن الله يأمر بالعدل والإحسان وإيتاء ذي القربى وينهى عن الفحشاء والمنكر والبغي يعذكم لعلكم تذكرون اذكروا الله يذكركم وادعوه يستجب لكم ولا ذكر الله أكبر والله يعلم ما تصنعون أقم الصلاة